time for Lickin' On Lending. Welcome, everybody. Good to have you with us. Welcome to Lickin' On Lending, a weekly mortgage market update providing up-to-the-minute information on interest rates, loan programs, and hot industry news, all related to the mortgage industry. Brought to you by Transformational Mortgage Solutions. To participate in today's program, our guest call in line is 646-716-4972. Now here's your host of Lickin' On Lending, David Lickin'. Let's begin. Folks, it's good to have you here with us. We're in the hot topic segment of the podcast. We've got as our guest, Logan Motoshami. Logan's become a good friend, someone I respect. I read anything and everything he publishes because it's got great wisdom in it. He is a senior loan manager at AMC Lending Group, but he's better known as a commentator about economics and housing, and he's got some very interesting information for us. As we head into 2020, as we're getting down the path of 2020 pretty quickly, talking about four prime areas. Where are mortgage rates? Where are they going? Home prices, existing, and new home sales. A little on the 2020 economics. Here's the one that I'm really interested in. At the end of his segment, we're going to talk about recession watch factors. What should you be looking for if recession were to raise its head? Logan Motoshami, my good friend, good to have you here, friend. How are you doing? Doing great. It's great to be here, David. Well, I apologize for doing this and the end of a runway here, so I'm getting ready sitting in a Starbucks parking lot. But, you know, the show must go on, and we do them from wherever we can. So you're located in Southern California. For those that may not know, you give us just a real brief rundown on yourself and where people can read about you. We'll cover this, and we'll put the links to the podcast. But for those that may not know who you are, give us a little background on yourself real quickly. Well, I'm a senior loan manager. I've been in the mortgage business for 24 years. Our family has been in the banking business since the late 1950s. But generally, I'm known more kind of as a housing data analyst and somebody that tracks the macroeconomic cycle. My blog, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, I talk about all economic data all the time. I'm a contributor at Housing Wire right now. So basically, what I try to do is relate the economic cycle, the housing cycle, the mortgage rate cycle, the bond market cycle to everybody that wants to listen and try to stay away from the ideological extremes, you know, that uh, has infiltrated, you know, just general economic discussions on the networks and social media sites. We should give a major shout out to our friends at Housing Wire. It's a great publication. If you are not subscribed to that, I encourage you to do so. But, uh, a great group of people over there, and we're honored to uh, have affiliation. They gave me the Vanguard Award a few years ago, and I'm one of these guys that doesn't do a lot of puffing myself up and taking that stuff and putting it on my signature. Maybe I should have done a job, but I'm very, very grateful to the whole team over there, and I know you're part of that, and that's really exciting. So glad. It's no surprise that they reached out to you to get you involved in what's going on there. But it's good to have you here, Anna. So let's get in talking about some of the things that are grabbing your attention, specifically, where are mortgage rates going to be heading? Are they going to stay at these levels? MBA, Chief Economist, Fannie, Freddie, and National Association of Realtors, NAR, all seem to say that we're going to stay right where we're at in this range of 3.7 to 3.8. What say you, my friend? Well, we have the potential now to hit all-time lows in mortgage rates this year. And uh, one of the things that I'd like to talk about is to talk about what drives mortgage rates. It's really growth out here. So uh, last year, it wasn't a shock that the uh, 10-year yield and mortgage rates fell because the rate of growth in the U.S. fell. And already, 
this year, the economy is doing good enough to keep the expansion going, but the rate of growth is just not there to drive mortgage rates higher. And, I, and I've stressed this for a few months for for people who follow my work. Uh, you keep an eye on the 10-year yield. If the 10-year yield can't break over 1.94% this year, then we're going to have a three-handle on mortgage rates the entire year. So there's just a lot of factors that are uh, keeping the expansion moving, but the rate of growth is just not there. And right now, with all the headline news we have right now between the coronavirus, the (laughs) Boeing situation, you know, know, we have the potential to even go lower if the headlines get worse. I always always tell people my forecast for many years right now is that the 10-year yield should be between 160 and 3%. But whenever we get below 160 on the 10-year yield, Usually it's headline-driven, usually 2012, 2016, 2019. So mortgage rates, you know, can take these – because it's really the velocity of money. You know, money comes out of stocks, goes into bonds. But the economy is not going to recession, so we don't stay here too long. But we have the ability to get to all-time lows, really, if the headline gets worse, the political elections, you know, bread exit negotiations turn bad. You know, there's a lot of factors that are benefiting mortgage rates this year. Let's talk about some of the headlines that you're paying most attention to. When you pick up the newspaper or when you're Googling, what are some of the search engines searching for on your behalf out there that kind of grab your attention that you think would be big drivers? Well, number one, and people should follow the manufacturing data. Not that it's such a big thing for the U.S. economy. Uh, we're just not a manufacturing economy anymore. But if, when the economy is growing faster, our manufacturing data in the world, manufacturing data should look better out here. Um, and they, they typically kind of trend with each other out here for, many, for a few years now, actually. So that's number one. You know, uh, going into 2020, one of the things I've uh, stressed the, at, at other conferences is that we're going to have a lot of headline news that can drive rates lower. I did not account for, you know, uh, Middle East, the conflict, or a coronavirus into that. So uh, you keep an eye on those kind of headlines out here. And then uh, also, a- anytime we have a presidential election year, you know, bad headlines or positive headlines, whatever you think your, your party is, that can also drive rates lower. But manufacturing data looked uh, decent today. We're back in the positive right now. But, uh, but for right now, I think just think the coronavirus and the Boeing news are, are two things that are keeping rates pretty low right now. That's interesting. Yeah, I'd say manufacturing is that, it's right there. Then also, you know, consumer sentiment. Uh, I always love that, but you cover all of this. And so let's give in a selfless plug for your publication. Where can people find you? You have Twitter everywhere. Run through those real quickly again. We'll put them in our show notes, folks. So It's really easy. It's just my name, Logan Motoshami. And everything is open to the public out here, the, the blog, the housing wire, the Twitter page, Instagram page, Facebook page. I track pretty much every single economic data we could possibly have, also with some kind of a discussion about how the global growth is going, things that drive the bond market, things that drive the economic cycle out here. My primary thing is to make sure to call the expansion and recession correctly out here, and I think that's what I'm probably more known for now lately, and uh, just, uh, just, to, just to be able to teach economics in a different form, because I just think there's too much extreme economic discussions out there that doesn't provide useful information for people. And when you say out here, you're located in Southern California, but you're doing this on a national basis. So what's going out here across the U.S., am I correct? Yes, yes, yes. I, I, I generally don't speak 
about local stuff too directly unless I'm talking at a local conference. So all all the economic discussion is mostly national out here. So it's not uh, yeah. it's not something uh, just for the local economies. Well, let's talk about home prices because you've got some interesting thoughts about what we're going to experience in 2020. What about home prices? Where are they going? Well, the most bullish economic chart for existing homes that I was talking about last year was uh, real home prices actually went negative last year, uh, something that not a lot of people uh, knew, but on a year-over-year basis, you know, when I talk about real home prices, it's adjusting to inflation using the equivalence of rent. And I thought that was really bullish because typically, you know, when people talk about housing, they say it's overheating, it's a bubble. No, it isn't. You know, what we've seen from 2012 to 2020 doesn't look anything like what we saw from 2002 to 2005. And real home prices went negative last year. Not, not by much, but the, top, uh, the Case-Shiller Index, top 10, top 20, and National Index were slightly neg- negative. Now, because mortgage rates went down, uh, uh, demand picked up a little bit more, it looks like we're going to be able to maybe get out of that real home price negative range but we want to stay around here in this level for as long as possible because I think that's a sustainability uh, a positive for the U.S. housing market. Nominal home prices are still rising out here, but uh, real home prices most likely be positive too. But the, the longer we stay down at these low levels, the better it is for housing. Interesting. Uh, yeah, well, of course. And, and we're watching, we're listening to the information that Black Knight released. So with interest rates falling, we're actually having affordability index. So talk a little bit about affordability, because I'm assuming that's going to play big into what we're going to talk about next, and that's existing and new home sales. But the affordability index, what are you, what are you seeing there? Well, if you, if you look at the housing cycles in this expansion, as long as the 10-year yield stays below 2.62%, you know, uh, we could get roughly about 6 million total home sales, uh, existing and new home sales to go. Purchase applications have been rising steady from the lows that were put in in 2014. So I'm not a big believer. I'm not an advocate of what people call an affordability crisis. Affordability crisis to me means a deflationary situation. You know, it doesn't mean that purchase applications hit cycle highs in the 11th year of the expansion. So as long as rates stay low, affordability is there. I think the areas that get hit when when the 10-year yield goes up are, you know, California, New York, uh, Seattle, those kind of uh, areas where home prices are just much more higher there than everywhere else. And, and mm-hmm. rates impact those areas out here. And also the new home sale market is very susceptible because it's a 90% plus mortgage market. It also gets impacted when the 10-year yield goes above 2.62%. So there isn't, a afford, there isn't an affordability crisis, and there isn't a really booming demand out here. It's a very slow and steady housing cycle that we'll still have legs to go because we're running right now into the biggest uh, demographic patch for first-time home buyers ever recorded in U.S. history coming up the next few years. Well, it's so good that you brought up first-time home buyers, and we're about ready to have a big old jet go overhead, and I want to bring this up because I'm flying out to the Independent Mortgage Bankers Conference here as soon as we uh, wrap up the podcast. And one of the sessions we're going to be talking about is uh, about what – are, what's unique about the first-time home buyer? I mean, we've had them around forever. What's your perspective? What's unique? The buying habits, what they're looking for, or how, more importantly, can lenders connect with the first-time home buyer uh, more effectively? Oh, any patterns you're seeing? Any thoughts on that? Well, naturally, the first-time home buyers are older now. And uh, the one thing that they love, they love technology. They love uh, how things are simple. 
You know, so I think one the switch that we've seen from the previous cycle to now is that using technology, uh, e-signing, you know, using apps, you know, um, making things very uh, easy to get transactions done. You know, I don't think first-time homebuyers could appreciate it how things used to be back in the days when you used fax papers. It's so and true. Stuff and, you know, so, so true. So, I, you know, I, I know some people say that it might be overwhelming. To me, it's just like it's, it's the golden age of, of getting loans now just because the productivity through technology has made things so much more easier now to get things done that uh, um, it's, it, it, it's relatively, to me, the most easiest time to be able to obtain finance in terms of just going through the process out here. So, And that, that might be coming from somebody that's been in the business for over 24 years, and I just remember how things used to be. So I think it's a positive. I think uh, young millennials, they do things a little bit older. They get married older out here. So they like uh, they enjoy the process. They just don't appreciate it as much because they, they weren't around back in the old days. Yeah, and, you know, it's like uh, we don't appreciate cell phones because they've been around forever now, it seems like, at least for the newest generation. One thing that's interesting is I'm going out to the IMB. You've had a, but a part of a family business. You mentioned earlier that your family had been in banking since the 50s. You've been at this for 24 years. And you run a relatively small by the large company standards that are out there. Is there any concern that you have for small independent mortgage bankers going away? Or that way, does that ever keep you up at night looking at the big guys and how they're competing? Or you find for that me, you've got a real solid future? I mean, for me personally, no. But I just think naturally uh, technology always scares people. Uh, out here, so that's that's just the natural inclination that you know. I remember when people thought Amazon was going to get into the mortgage business, or even Google had their own mortgage set up for a few months before they shut that down. And, and I, I just think that's just the natural fear of automation and technology taking industries away because they could provide <clears throat> a cheaper process per se. So uh, for me yeah. personally, I, I I never think about it, but I could understand how Good. some people would be uh, uh, fearful just because it's just the natural inclination of human beings to, you know, when they see a new technology come in that they're going to be replaced or automized out. Well, good point. I had to get your perspective. That's uh, off some of the topics I wanted to cover, but since I'm heading out, I always like your opinion on that. I agree with you. I think there's going to be always a place for the smaller lender out there. Very bullish about them. Yeah. Technology is a problem. It could be as it gets more and more expensive and more prolific. However, there are good some good companies out there that can provide that. Any more thoughts on existing and new home sales? Give us a little more perspective. Existing home sales, I'm not looking for much growth at all. In fact, if you take the last existing home sales print at 5.54 million. I'm not looking for any any prints really above 5.47 million. So it's rough, roughly going to be flat. Uh, uh, for the year. Uh, the new home sale market also just l- limited growth, but good enough. You know, I, I think both, both, uh, both new and existing home sales should be able to keep uh, 6 million total home sales going out here. Obviously, the new home sale market is much more important to the economy. So if you get any kind of uh, growth out there, it'll help housing starts grow. And that's very key for the expansion because typically housing starts fall into a recession. So, you know, the concern was the monthly supply spike back in 2018. Was that a recessionary indicator? And we quickly uh, drew down the big monthly supply spike. We had a new home sale. So it looks good. Uh, Again, I I always stress, as long as the 10-year yield stays away from 2.62% and higher, uh, housing should be okay. 
Yeah, that's good. I, so, which really gets us into the 2020 economics and your outlook. What are you thinking here? Do you I see recession? Yeah, I still say the expansion still has legs. I think this has been probably the worst 11 years I can imagine for the American Bears ever in their lifetime. And, and the longer I've done this, I realize that most people don't have economic models to forecast economic expansion, they have a lot of speculative theories out here. So I, one of the things I've done recently is create or just explain more my six recession flag model out there. And only three of my recession flags are up. Until all six are up, I, I, just, I forbid the word even discussion of, of a recession out here. And I think what's happened is that we've had every single day, month, week, year, uh, recession callers out now, and I always explain to people, ask an American bear what their economic models are. Most, most of them have nothing. Uh, a lot of them are kind of these anti-central bank gold bug people that have been wrong for 11 years. They've been wrong since 1913. So uh, there's a lot of fear out there. Fear and greed drives clicks, you know, money of people for some, for some reason. That's what they want to do. But the, the economic cycle has legs to go on. Our demographics are good. Our inflation is low. Gas prices are low. Uh, so there, there isn't anything yet that I see that would warrant a, the recession discussion, but you're going to hear it every day because that's just kind of the society we're in. Yep, and it also drives news, recession. But you have some recession watch factors that you've had, and you hinted to six of them, and only three of the flags are up. What are some of So cover those recession watch factors for us. Well, I love that. The, the recession flag is basically a, a process of what uh, expansions and recessions look like. You know, so the first two where, you know, the Federal Reserve starts its interest rate hike cycle. You know, that's a very early one. And then the unemployment rate uh, get to a certain percentage for me was 4.9%, so I raised that flag. But then the, the big call that I had was in, at the end of 2017, I forecasted an inverted yield curve in 2018, which seemed kind of odd for somebody that was a, a big expansion person. But I, I've always said this. I don't believe the 10-year yield can really break away from 3%. So as the Fed was raising rates, we should invert the yield curve uh, in 2018. I believe myself we inverted the yield curve in December of 2018, and I took that recession flag up. But, you know, we got uh, uh, three rate cuts after that event. And then when we inverted the yield curve on the 210 last year, everybody was Googling recession. And I saw it as a bullish event. I wrote about it on that day. I thought, you know, this will keep the trade war from escalating. I don't think President Trump would want to go into an election year with an inversion headline, um, bad manufacturing data, and a third farmer bailout. So the markets recovered, got to all-time highs. The economic data has firmed up a little bit out here. Uh, so what I'm looking for right now for the next uh, three flags left is typically housing starts fall into a recession. You know, that issue was resolved last year when mortgage rates went lower. Uh, um, and also we want to kind of look at where is the over-leveraged cycle. You know, where, where, where is the area that, you know, where there was big overinvestment and, and demand just can't sustain that kind of production. We had that in the oil shell. We had a legitimate manufacturing recession in 2016 when oil prices fell. So, you know, you look, keep an eye on auto sales, commercial real estate, but right now we're not, uh, we shouldn't be concerned too much about that as, as long as inflation is low, gas prices are low, and our big demographic patch still consumes. I think that's the key, key out there. And leading economic indicators. Typically, leading economic indicators, which is a set of 10 different uh, economic data lines, they typically fall four to six months toward the end of an expansion out here. Well, while the data has been soft on that, there is no clear direction on that. So those are the three flags 
that are left. And I've written many articles about that recently that keep, keep an eye on these three things. Uh, typically, you see these things get really negative or you see the overinvestment before the word recession should be discussed. And so far, that model has worked perfectly uh, uh, in this record-breaking expansion. You have a new partnership with uh, Clayton Collins. We give a shout-out to Clayton Collins of the, and the whole Housing Wire team. You're there. They're, they're really featuring you a lot. How did that come about, and uh, why Housing Wire? It's very exciting. Yes, well, Clayton, uh, I, you know, I, I've known of Housing Wire for many years. You know, I, I, I only have so much time in the day to do things, so I've never kind of joined any other financial media companies because of all the things that I'm doing. But I, I actually really like the, the the men and women that actually read Housing Wire, you know, you know, they're just they're just young, aspirational, uh, uh, self-made people who are really hustling hard in the mortgage and real estate business. So I thought it would be useful because they follow me on Facebook. That you know, let me let me provide some information for them so at least they have something to work with. And you know, my recent article that I believe that over sixty thousand readers out there was show, showcasing why housing isn't a bubble. You know, because every every year you get these questions: housing is in a bubble, housing is a bubble. And I try to try to relay that you know this housing cycle actually re- doesn't represent anything what a bubble looks like. It's actually the exact opposite. The people that are pushing bubbles are more kind of you know conspiracy theory people that are trying to get you to click their websites. But I wanted to show yep. the data to to prove that, and I think that stuff like that I think is useful. For, for people that uh, read Housing Wire. So I wanted to just to give a, a sourceful information of somebody that believes in math, facts, and data out there. And, and so far, it's been wonderful. It's been a great experience. Yeah, it's a great experience. Good people. So Clayton Collins doing a great job, CEO of Housing Wire. Jacob Jaffney there. I lo- th- these guys, I just love them all, the whole team there. They're, they do an outstanding job. And I love how they are really keeping a wet finger in the air about what should they be looking at, who should they be focusing on, who should they be in relationship with. So if you're not subscribed to Housing Wire, be sure to do so. And they also have their own podcast out there. One I just listened to was Bill Dallas's on innovation and housing supply. Is really one he did on January 10th. So they have those out there. There's another one. That they're part of the industry syndicate as well. So we appreciate you, Logan, for being here and uh, all that you do in this industry to keep us informed. It's, it's what probably should be so encouraging to a listener is to realize that, you know, you do not have to go get a PhD in all this stuff. I'm all for it. Andy Shell, golly, I mean, look at him and, and how he's pursuing his second PhD. Absolutely. But Logan, you just had a deep interest. What was it that drew you to this? Is it just an insatiable appetite cure over curiosity? I mean, you produce some really good stuff. Well, first, I'm a giant PhD nerd. quality. <laughs> no, you're I, well, a giant I, nerd. I, I just think I'm just a giant nerd. I just think, you know, and being a historian and being a former high school basketball coach, you also have that competitive nature. And I think what, what happened, yeah. what drove me was that, you know, I thought early on in the cycle, too many people were too bullish on housing. They, they kind of need to be reined in. But then, you know, I say, wow, boy, the American bears are really terrible. They just don't believe in math, facts, and data. So I brought into the equation bringing just general macroeconomics into it. One thing led to another. If you would have told me 10 years ago I would have been doing all this stuff, I would have said, no, it's crazy out here. But now, you know, having over 60,000 social media followers, and it's just been a, it's just been a very fun experience sharing information. I think when you're naturally a coach, you want to be able to share wisdom. You want to be able to teach people 
uh, how to how to look at data properly. I think that's the competitiveness. Excuse me, the competitiveness of being an athlete. You really want to kind of take down the American Bears always, you know. So that's kind of like my thing. You know, I, I always talk about don't listen to the extreme right or extreme left. You know, follow the data. You know, the American Bears have been wrong since uh, 1790. They're going to be wrong, you know, for for many decades here. I think that drives me to do this every day because it's like getting up at four in the morning and going to bed at 10 at night all the time. You know, you really got to have a passion for something like this. Well, you're, uh, I was with Sal Murin this past weekend up in the mountains, snow skiing with he and Scott Gordon, and he would support you 100%. It's all in the data. It's all right there. You just got to go in and study it. And I applaud you for how you've done so over the years and encourage you, our listeners, to follow him. You can go to loganmotoshami.com and let's make sure everyone's spelling that right it's m-o-h-t-a-s-h-a-m-i.com logan l-o-g-a-n motoshami there you got it. go back and listen to it we're going to be putting all the links to all of his stuff in our show notes today and logan i just want to say thank you you're always so gracious to come on the podcast congratulations on how many people are plugging into you and uh, you're doing a great job, and I, I just applaud it. We're a passion. Thank, thank People so will follow a passion, and you, you've got a passion with us. You're doing an outstanding job. Thank you. Thank you. Folks, next week we've got Tyler Sherman coming on. Tyler is with Black Knight. He used to be the founder, along with his brother Todd, who unfortunately passed away way prematurely. Love both these guys, but Tyler is going to be coming on as a guest he's with black knight they bought motivity solutions he is now running everything as it relates to data so you're going to want to tune in next week because it's all about the numbers it's all about the data as sal was preaching over and over this weekend you can't find a more rich source of data than what black knight has so we're gonna have tyler on their sponsor of the podcast very excited to have my old friend tyler sherman come on next week before we go, folks, I want to say a big thank you to our sponsors, Black Knight, Open Mortgage, Finastra, the MBA, Lenders One, the Mortgage Collaborative, the CMLA, the Community Mortgage Lenders of America, as well as Ainsworth Advisors, as well as KnowledgeCoop, Mobility RE, Celebrity Home Loans, Velma, Vidyard, VendorSurf, and AI Assist. Love these vendors. So much good stuff out there. If you're interested in being a sponsor of the podcast, get over to the website. We're adding a brand new sponsor next week. So excited about it, Indicom. We have more information about that. Thanks so much for tuning in, everybody. Tell others about this podcast, and we'll look forward to sharing again another episode next week. Have a great week, everybody. And for those of you going to the NBA IMB conference, looking forward to seeing you there this evening. You've been listening to Lickin' on Lending, a weekly mortgage market update with your host, David Lickin' of Transformational Mortgage Solutions. Join us next week, and thanks for listening.